0: You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 100, brought to you by Vessi Seeds. Hey everybody, it's Greg here with the Maritime Gardening Podcast, and I've got author Keith Reed back with us to discuss his book, Improving Your Soil, a practical guide to soil management for the serious home gardener. You know, really, I think the, the title on the back, it says it all, better soil equals better garden. I couldn't agree more. Maybe that should have been exactly.
1: the title <laughs> and it's an honor to be here for the 100th uh, podcast that's, yes. that's an accomplishment
0: exactly I think this is I think this is year five so uh, I said I'd stick it out for five years and see where it goes and this is the year it's actually starting to uh, everything's really starting to click um, okay. so who knows exactly why that's the case but you gotta take it when you can get it right so uh, Keith other than being an author of this book why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so the viewers know uh, who I'm dealing with and and why I'm, uh, you know, asking you for all of this information <laughs> about soil.
1: Okay, and, and I guess my background, uh, soil scientist, raised on a, a mixed farm in Bruce County, Ontario, uh, so uh, have had my hands dirty from the time I was very small, and uh, went off to university, actually started in geography, and then Switched to uh, back to agriculture and, and into soil science, and uh, it's been endlessly fascinating. I've been lucky to have been able to make a career out of it. Uh, I've worked in private industry, I've worked in uh, the provincial government, now the federal government, and always had a garden on the side. And so uh, this book was an opportunity to put those two loves together to uh, say, okay, how can we translate what I know about soils? into a way that somebody with a home garden can make use of because it's, it's wonderful to have knowledge. It's even better if you can interpret it in a way that uh, makes life better.
0: This is the perfect book for that. I mean, I'm not getting anything from Keith's publisher, Firefly books. <laughs> this is, you know, this is the best book. Like if I'm still not done reading it. I'm, I'm around chapter 11, I think right around now. I'm about this far through it. And I mean, I, I just have, I sort of have a method for reading um, knowledge books. Like there's, there's fun books and there's knowledge books. This is kind of both, right? Because it's, it's, it's a knowledge book, but it's something I'm deeply interested in. So i sort of meticulous in the way I read. I, I basically read it through meticulous once, then I read it again. And then maybe I put it away for six months and then I read it again. And by that point, uh, most of the information is sort of in my head and uh yeah i mean if, if you better soil you better gardens um you know and if i've
1: done my job right each time you read it you'll pick up something new oh
0: yeah no it's exactly like it's that kind of a book right i mean it's very dense there's a lot in there. there's a lot of information um i think the great thing is having done an interview with you before now when i'm reading it i'm hearing it in your voice <laughs> um and it's funny because a lot of my viewers are uh, especially in youtube are from the united states so they'll say i sound like norm mcdonald or different prominent canadians um, and they always associate me with upper canadians ontarians but keith's actually from upper canada that's that's the canadian sort of peter mansbridge yes. right, <laughs> <you> know, <right. laughs> i i'm from eastern canada but I, I lived in ontario for six years which sort of smoothed out my you know uh, rough uh, nova scotia accent uh, so I don't really sound like the way I'm supposed to for people that are from here. I should be a little bit more rough around the edges there. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, that's just, that's just what happens when you move around a bit and adapt your uh, speaking style to different audiences. All right. So we had uh, Keith on before and he answered uh, a good smattering of uh, viewer questions. And then we wanted to have him back on because I I wanted to, I'd read his book a little bit, but I really hadn't read it enough to um, give him some good informed questions. So I've I've done that now, and I'm actually going to have him back again um, in the fall, if he agrees, to talk more about soil and soil structure and different types of soil, you know, clay and loam and that sort of thing. Um, But for right now, it's kind of like watering season. It's, It's the time of year that we all start to become, at least in my part of the world, worried about water and the plants to have enough and how do we get the water to the plants and what's it all about and the great thing about Keith's book is you know he's talking about soil but he's also talking about physics talking about chemistry talking about biology but all in a way that's completely focused about focused around soil and in the chapters I think it's chapter six and chapter seven it's putting that all together in terms of how soil uh, holds on to water so, um, without any further ado, uh, let's get into some of these questions I had when I was reading the book, and just things I thought, I mean, some of these aren't questions, they're just like, wow, that's great, you need to tell my viewers this stuff. <laughs> I mean, sure, buy, if, if you want to know more than what Keith's saying right now, buy the book. It's worth your while. It really is worth your while, um, because it's just such a good resource to understand these sorts of things instead of just guessing, right? <laughs> um, but um, anyway. So um, the first one is um, explain the physics and chemistry of soil as it pertains to the attraction of water molecules to soil particles.
1: Okay, and, and that that really does get down into the the physical chemical rem, realm. It's uh, water. It's it's we call a polar molecule. It's uh, got oxygen, two hydrogens, and the two hydrogens have a positive charge with it. It's not a full charge, but it just the oxygen is negative, the, the uh, hydrogens are positive, which means opposites attract, they will stick together and it will stick to any charged surface. And so water will actually be attracted. And you, you see this, uh, if you, uh, you know, have a glass of water and you look at the, uh, the edge of the glass of water, you know, there'll be a little bit of a curve up at the edge of the, the, uh, the glass where the water sticks to the glass and wants to hold there.
0: The meniscus.
1: The meniscus, <laughs> yep. That's exactly it. It's mm-hmm. the same thing that forms the meniscus. You know, uh, that, that film on the water, uh, that surface tension is the water holding itself together. You put it next to a soil particle, You know it's going to buy, uh, be attracted to those soil particles. Uh, now, water, it sticks together. It doesn't stick together very tightly, you know. It, it wouldn't flow otherwise. But you put it close to a surface, and it will bind. You know, the closer it is, the the thinner the film, the tighter it sticks. Right. And uh, and so what that means in the soil is, the smaller the pore size, the smaller the pore space, because then you've got all around that that water you've got. Surfaces for it to stick to; the tighter it will be held. Right. And uh, and so really, that's that's what it is. It's the thickness of that layer of water, and and that's why, if you've got a dry soil, water is going to bind to that soil very tightly. If you've got a wet soil, you're going to have some that's bound tightly, but you've got a lot more that's that's held loosely. Right. And and will move much more easily.
0: Can you actually? This wasn't one of my questions, but it's related to because uh, I think this term might come up as we go through these questions is it and I think it would help people to understand some of what you're discussing with this question uh maybe you could explain to the viewers um what is meant by the term soil solution you you use it a lot in your book
1: okay yeah and and the solution it's just water with something dissolved in it uh you know if you uh Take a glass of water and put some salt in it, or put some sugar in it and it up that dissolves, so it goes into a true solution uh, it's not like you know if you uh, took some soil from the garden and put it in your glass and you mix it up it's going to stay as as a suspension. you can have particles in it, but uh, you know that we're talking about stuff that dissolves in in the water in the soil there's there's enough minerals in the soil that any of the water in the soil is going to dissolve some of those minerals. So it's, it's never going to be pure water. It's always going to be a solution of water and something else in it, Uh, which it can have uh, some impact on how the water behaves in the soil. Uh, I think it's, it's just, it's good to remember that. Yeah, we may, we may talk about soil water, but really it's when it's in the soil, it's, it's a solution of water with something else in it.
0: Okay, so yeah, that term is just—it's—it's it's the water that's—it's not about the soil really. It's the, it's the water that's in the soil and the stuff that's dissolved in the water.
1: And if you th- think about anything getting from the soil to the plants, it's carried by the water. It's
0: got to go from the soil to the water to the. To plant. the
1: water, but it, yeah, to the water and then that's carried to the plant. I see.
0: So that's yeah. why. So
1: that's that's why it's important that it's a solution that you know, that's actually carrying the minerals. Uh, I see. To the plant,
0: so the water is the, the highway. Exactly, <laughs> In a sense, the, That's the way it, yeah. the, it's yeah. the medium that allows the nutrients to go from the one. Exactly, yeah. plants aren't getting stuff from the soil; they're getting stuff from the soil solution. Right, the soil solution is getting stuff from the soil via other means, which mm-hmm. I think we're going to discuss as we go along here. <laughs> okay. So, uh, all right, that's useful though. It's useful to understand because basically if you don't have a certain moisture level in your soil, you don't have the soil solution you need and the
1: magic is just not going to happen. It's not going to happen.
0: Yes. Um, Okay, so uh, in your book, you make the distinction between gravitational water, available water, and unavailable water. It sounds self-explanatory, but I never really thought of it this way. Gravitational water... Uh, available water and unavailable water, a- and and also how these relate to field capacity and wilting point. This was a really good thing for me to realize. So, can you explain these terms a little bit, and what you know what they mean and how they're related?
1: Yeah, yeah, and this this comes back to water sticking to the soil, and the thinner the film, the the tighter it's held. Uh, and I like to think of the soil not so much as a bunch of solids, as a bunch of holes. Bunch of holes. The things that happen happen in the hole, but there's all different sizes of holes. There's little holes. There's big holes. Um, so the big holes, they hold the water loosely. You know, there's there's some held along the edges, but uh, not held very tightly at all. the The fine pores that water's held very tightly. Uh, the gravitational force we're familiar with it. That's you know what keeps us stuck to the earth, you know, we we can't, some of us can't jump very high because of gravity. Uh, If you've got a large pore, that water is held loosely enough that gravity, the gravitational force dominates and it will drain downwards with gravity. That's how we call it gravitational water. It will will drain freely. Um, And when it drains, those pores will empty out and fill up with air. Right. field capacity is when those large pores have finished emptying out when when gravity has finished doing its job so those big pores have have emptied out there's still a lot of water in the soil but it's in those finer pores and it's it's held just tightly enough that gravity can't drain it out of the soil
0: force of the gravity is not as strong as the the attraction
1: um, of the The, the electronic
0: sort of, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you think of, if you, if you have a sponge, you know, a sponge in the sink and you pick it up and it will drain out. But when it finishes draining, there's still a lot of water in it.
0: That's a really good analogy, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. what drains out freely is gravitational water.
0: Ah, that's a great right.
1: analogy. Yeah. <laughs> if you squeeze that sponge, you put extra force on it, you can squeeze more water out and that's equivalent to the available water in the soil,
0: ah, the squeezable, <laughs>
1: the squeezable water. Yeah. Right, it's, right, right. it's held, it's held loosely enough that plant roots can, can absorb it. Right. So the, the plant roots will, will be actively, you know, pulling water out of the soil and it's, it's held easily enough that the plant roots can extract it uh, the same way you squeeze the sponge. You can get a lot of water out of it, but, when you finish squeezing, the sponge is still wet. Yes. And you can't squeeze it anymore, you can't get any more water out of it, but it's still wet.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, The same way in the soil, we have water that is held so tightly that the plant roots cannot extract it.
0: I think that's a tough one for people to understand. So you've got soil, the roots are in the soil, and there's there's water in the soil. Yeah. But the 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 plant literally can't get that water out. That's the unavailable water.
1: That's the unavailable water.
0: Even though it's it's there. It's, it's there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you if you take a soil sample, uh, you know, that it, it looks dry, uh the plants are wilting. You know, and we yeah, the term we use is permanent wilting point. So if you think about it, if it's as the soil dries down, you'll have some plants. They'll wilt during the day, and then they'll come back at night.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, there's more more evaporative demand during the day, or more demand for transpiration during the day, and the roots can't keep up. But then at night it cools oh. down. You know, and they can you know get a, just enough water from the soil to uh, to come back, and then eventually you get to the point where mm, no, it just doesn't come back, and that's the permanent wilting point. <laughs>
0: oh i see so so and i i just moved a bunch of plants so i had that phenomena going on where during the day they just go oh, and they just die sort of thing they look dead and then you know uh in the morning when i go out and check the garden the misty fog of, of uh, the marriage oh, it's,
1: it's a miracle they're alive
0: they're come right back <laughs> um so it's it's not that there wasn't enough water in the soil it's just that that plant especially since i disturbed the root system Yep. Could, not, could not keep up with the transpiration of right. the foliage. I yes. see, right, yep. right. Yep. But when that can't even happen at all,
1: that's... That's, that's, that's the permanent wilting point. So that's, that's when plants would die or go dormant, it depends on the species. They can't you know, even a, come a back drug, at night. A, a drought a dollar plant will go, go dormant until there's more rain. Uh, an expensive transplant for, you know, something you buy at the nursery and spend 60 bucks on will just die. And and so, uh, you know, we talk about plant available water, it's that water between field capacity when it stops draining and the permanent wilting point. Right.
0: So, yeah, I guess that, I mean, I think we're going to get on this a little bit, but that's why it's, it's so important to have a, a soil structure that enables a maximum field capacity like yeah you, know, yep. you wouldn't want it to be soup um but uh <laughs> you know you want soil that can hang on to water and not have it just disappear so that you get a certain amount of days between good rains that you know that there's enough water there's enough mm-hmm. available or available water for the plants
1: well and that actually that gets consider the question you had about Permeability versus porosity. That's
0: the next question. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, porosity is how much how much pore space is there, how much empty space is there in the soil. Okay, uh, but it doesn't say anything about how big those pores are. So, a clay soil has a huge amount of porosity. Uh, okay. Be- people get confused by this. It
0: also, yeah, people wouldn't think that. It seems it, so oh, this,
1: this, it's, it's so dense, it's, it's so hard. This is, what do you mean? No, there is a huge amount of pore space in a clay soil. But most of those pores are very, very small. And most of the, a lot of those pores are actually small enough that it's unavailable water. So if you take a clay soil, it looks dry. You, you take a sample, you take it to the lab, and they put it in the uh, the oven at 105 degrees Celsius and dry it overnight. And it will lose 30% of its weight because there was that much water in it. Right. But held so tightly that plants couldn't pull it out. Right. Um, so that's porosity. And so clay soils have the most porosity. Uh, loam soils, silt loam soils have have almost as much Sandy soils have much less porosity. Really? Yeah. They've got fewer pores in the sandy soil, but they're bigger. Bigger pores, right. The bigger pores are the ones that will drain out easier. And that's, so you've got a sandy soil will tend to be much more permeable. Right. But less much, have less porosity. I see. So permeability is how easily can water flow through that soil. Right. Uh, yeah, and that, that comes down to the the size of the pores. Uh, and and the and the, how well connected they are. Because uh, you can have you can have a clay soil that's got a few very large pores that aren't connected to anything. Well, they're not it's not going to be very permeable. Right. Uh, but if you've got a, a clay soil with good structure, it's got a mix of fine pores medium-sized pores and then the large pores that can conduct water uh, fairly easily
0: right you
1: know so permeability is hugely important for drainage uh, you know so if you get a heavy rain that the, the water doesn't pond on the surface uh, that the, the soil doesn't go anaerobic uh, but if you've got permeability without porosity you don't have enough uh, if you like available water because there's just not enough pore space in the soil to hold it right yeah yeah it also relates to um the air content of the soil okay no uh because plant roots unless we're growing a wetland plant uh plant roots aren't active in soils that are saturated uh they they need to breathe the same way as the the tops do they need to have air in the soil as well as water and we talk about an ideal soil at, at field capacity half of the pore space will be filled with air half of the pore space will be filled with water
0: right so is it the case that you want some sort of balance i guess between you want porosity but you have to have permeability too and if you have too much permeability the water goes right through like sand yep. Yep. and if you've got uh, extraordinary porosity without permeability then it, it can't um it yeah, can't get the, the in
1: <laughs> or, or it, it gets in but it just stays there it sits right. there you haven't got enough air uh getting into the soil and and that's where roots will shut down
0: another question is uh, how can backyard gardeners improve water infiltration. So maybe explain water infiltration. I mean, it relates to the thing we just taught. I mean, I've got these right, in order for right. a reason, but they all failed on one. But uh, yeah, so how can they, because I mean, that's what you want. You want the water to get in your soil yeah, and then you want, yeah. to, you want to stay there too. But so how do we get it in?
1: How do you get it in? Uh, yeah. So, so infiltration really it's what's, what's that permeability at the surface. Uh, and oftentimes Well-meaning gardeners—they're out there with the, uh, the hoe, you know, getting the little weeds—or they're out there uh, taking seriously the Chinese proverb that the the best fertilizer is the farmer's footsteps, and and, you know, walking on the garden regularly. Uh, You can get a layer at the surface. I, I get this in the asparagus patch where the dogs will not leave it alone, and they lay there, and and it's it's packed down right at the surface layer. You know uh, the the structure's been broken down it's it's much finer there and so you get a layer that that really doesn't have a lot of permeability doesn't have a lot of large pores left in it and if we get a heavy rain that just seals off seals up and the water runs off you know pools up whatever it pool, and pools on top and, yeah you know, it doesn't doesn't infiltrate in very well right uh, you know an ideal soil uh, you've got that open, fluffy structure right to the surface, uh, with enough of the larger pores, that uh, you know when it rains, or when you put the sprinkler on, you know that water can soak in quickly. Right. So, uh, first thing is, if you've got a, a good amount of organic matter in your soil, you're going to have a structure that's going to stand up a lot better to abuse. Right. Uh, the, the, uh, the standard what we call the builder's loam, the stuff that's left over when they build new subdivisions that really has very little organic matter in it and it's it's compacted to start with, uh, is not going to be very permeable or it's not going to, it's going to tend to seal off much more easily than a soil that's got good organic matter. That's the first thing. Uh, if you can grow... That's where things like cover crops come in or, or just having... You know, plants in your garden that are growing, uh, that have fibrous root systems, that will actually give more of a scaffolding to hold that structure together. It will help to keep that more permeable. Uh, the next step is not messing up what's there. So, so don't over over cultivate. Can I can I just can I just
0: uh, get get a clarification on what you just said? So. You're saying that if there's something growing in the soil, soil, it's basically a hole through the soil, right? It's basically something that goes into the air and down to the soil. So when you're saying scaffolding, that's what you mean. It's a thing that you've got something in the soil that's both above the soil and below the soil. So it's a means for water to get in.
1: Well, that that's part of it. You're creating okay. holes in the soil. The, yeah. the other part is uh, those fine roots actually bind the soil particles together Okay. so they don't break the structure doesn't break apart as easily. I see, okay. So that's, uh, and that's for, yeah, not every gardener is going to have time or or space to be able to put cover crops in, but if if somebody says, okay, I want to do it right, taking a year and and planting, you know, some oats or some some rye and, and leaving it, you know, even turning in a couple of crops of that will really help to build the soil structure.
0: What is that? You know, this has got nothing to do with the questions I had here, but you know, people are often saying to me, you need a cover crop, you need this, you need that. And I'm like, look, I got frost in May and I got frost in September. What the, <laughs> hell, what the hell is this cover crop thing? I can't plant like some thing, you know, like it, it's, it's such a short growing season here. Mm-hmm. Um, in an extremely short growing season, does a cover crop mean letting a pet, like, let's say someone like me whose garden's compartmentalized. So I've got bed, 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 all these different beds. Might a cover crop mean um, kind of like letting a bed go fallow for a season? Okay, this season I'm going to just put some alfalfa there, just going to let it do its thing and then uh, at the end of the season I'm just going to cover it with some leaves and it's all just going to rot away and then the following year I'm going to have this wonderful great stuff ready to go or is there some way I could actually grow something, kill it, and then plant something there within a really short growing season or is that more of a you know, super sunny, warm, long growing season
1: type thing. Yeah. The shorter the season, the more challenges we have with cover crops. And and you talked about, yeah, taking one, one bed and leaving it fallow, putting something in, uh, you know, whether it's a a legume or whether it's a, a grassy crop, but that, that will, you know, say you're saying, okay, I'm taking this year for that part of the garden to improve. Yeah. Uh, the other way to get at it, and it's 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 always a challenge, uh but you know if you've got one bed where you've got okay, I've got my radishes and I've got my peas and and they're fairly early, and i they're finished, and I just plant some fall rye right.
0: you know
1: in that spot and and leave it for the the fall. and and then work it in the next spring uh you know you're you're not going to have an entire bed but you can do some of those things
0: right i see so that that can work even like i think my my peas are done they're just starting now i'm just Mm making my first first piece today i think we're gonna have a first pea meal tomorrow pea meal uh probably go good with meal bacon (laughs) um but uh I would say August, they're done. Like you know, yeah. when just when the beans start, be like oh my god, what am I going to do with all these beans? That's mm-hmm. when the peas are done. So they work out well. So I maybe plant a fall rye.
1: Um, fall rye or early or, or, August. Or, yeah, or or spring oats. Spring Because uh, uh, if you can get in in August, spring oats, they will stand a fair bit of frost. You know, so they'll likely, you know, in your climate, grow through till uh, October right and And then die over winter
0: they just die they don't go dormant,
1: they die but they, they they will die yeah
0: I'm not getting any oatmeal out of this
1: <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> all right, <laughs> no, but you don't want to you want you want the uh, the root mass there and, and those green tops to to rot rot in place and help build the soil structure
0: so the root systems are just just rot away
1: they'll rot away, but they'll leave behind enough they're they're fibrous enough yeah. That they, they, you know, they like I say, they they form a scaffolding that holds that soil structure together.
0: Huh. But not so much that I need to till it all up. I can just work work if it's, depending if on it's, the plant.
1: Yeah, yeah. If it's if it's oats that die on their own, you could just you know stick the shovel in and plant whatever within that and, and leave a mulch on the surface.
0: I'm going to have to try that. I got to figure out where <laughs> to get them to. Especially this <laughs> it seems like this year it's impossible to get anything. Right. Uh, it's very challenging. Uh, I think like i don't know how things are where you are right now but this this week is the week that nova scotia just said oh let's just go for it and let open everything up So i don't, I don't know where that's all going but <laughs> i think it's the time you got to buy something this is the time to buy it um but uh yeah i don't know about uh, ontario but it's yeah definitely uh, been an interesting garden i mean it's I'm, I'm always, I I'm always for gardening. I always have a plan B and a plan C, and you know, it's really mm-hmm. not a big deal. You know, I've always got extra stuff, and extra this, and extra that, and you know. But uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting year. <laughs> um, you know, I know Ontario is not without its challenges um, in this thing either.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, we're 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 actually at the point now. We're we're seeing big bags of flour come on sale at the grocery store because the stuff that came in when people were. Where panic buying is not really going out the doors quickly anymore. So,
0: I had an aunt that was telling me she couldn't. She she put something up on Facebook the other day. And she goes, hey, I finally got some flour." Yeah. Um, which, I, man, man, that's that's crazy <laughs> stuff. Someone <laughs> like me, I make all my own bread. I make sourdough bread. I've been doing it this whole time, and I buy these giant bags of flour, and I always mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. lots kicking around. Um, I know some of the grocery stores ran out of flour here. Yep. Um, But the place I go that sort of sells to restaurants, it sells like those big, like, you know, 25, 20 kilogram bags of flour, it, it never ran out. Right. Because um, I've always been mystified of that. People buy like a t- tiny little thing of Robinhood flour to make bread. <laughs> you know, whatever you, you get, like, the, the price, you know, like it's so, I think I can make bread for like 30 cents a loaf. Yeah. You know, that's electricity included. Um, anyway. Totally off topic. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All anyway, right. Yeah,
1: back back to what what's going to help help water infiltration. Yeah, uh, yeah. So cover crops, you know, building soil structure, uh, staying off the soil. Right. Yes. Especially when it's wet. Yes. Yeah. You know, just stay out, stay away. Leave it, leave it be. Uh, don't don't overwork the soil. You know, the rototiller has a place, but it's often overused because you know yeah you can beat the crap out of it and you can you can take soil and uh, get rid of the big lumps, but it's awfully easy to go too far and uh, and leave that soil and in pretty pretty rough shape. The other thing is if if somebody's not patient enough and goes out you know before the ground is really really fit you'll just smear the bottom of the layer with the uh, the rototiller, so, so you may have water that infiltrates and goes down the depth you tilled and just stop and not go any further because you've totally sealed that.
0: Oh, you mentioned this in your book about that sort of, th- this a certain time of the year when it's just too wet to be doing that sort of
1: thing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, it's, most people are sensible enough, Oh, so it's okay, it's wet, I won't go, you know, and then three days later, it's saying, Oh, it, you know, it looks, it looks dry. I should be able to go and it's dry on top and it's not dry six inches down.
0: Right. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, and then the final thing is yeah, putting a mulch on the surface. Yes. That will help to keep it, It's going to keep the soil from drying out and sealing off because actually soils, soils that get too dry can go what they call hydrophobic they will actually repel water until they wet up again. Right. Uh, if, if you have a mulch on top, it, it keeps them moist enough that that never happens. Uh, it also keeps the biological activity happening in the soil. So You've got the worms that are active and they're keeping those pores open. Yes. Um, and it just, it's just, it's physical protection for the soil to keep it from getting sealed over, so.
0: Yes, that's the approach I use basically. Mm-hmm. I everything covered and yeah, you got the worms and, and other things basically making holes. Yeah. You know. And they're, they're solving your, and you've got other things, because I don't, don't really till my garden, so you get a lot of root systems, just, mm-hmm. you know, I've got kale, kale stumps, look like stumps yeah. of trees. know, um, I got mixed feelings about leaving kale, because there's so many kinds of pests that, that love kale, and mm-hmm. really the only plant I have in my garden that's, I have to, you know, that whole family, the brassicas. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, certain kinds of uh, moths that have caterpillars. Flea beetle, sn- slug, snail, like it's, every other plant in the garden really, it has a little bit, you know, but really it's, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing even, every other plant can shrug it off.
1: But that whole the, family. The just, brassicas seem to attract it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a,
0: and they taste good. So, I mean, think about how many different, you basically got mustard. Yeah. You got mustard turned into all these great things, <laughs> you know, such a wide range. I actually have a, a wild thing growing in my garden this year. I mean, a lot of the mulch I bring in is just like people's junk you know, mm-hmm. yard waste. Um, so you never know what's going to pop up in your garden. And a lot of viewers will say like, oh my God, aren't you worried about this, that, and the other thing. I was like, no, not really, because I'm don't. i mean, I'm so happy that someone else gathered all this stuff for me and it's free. <laughs> I re- I'll deal with the pro- consequences later this year. Um, first year ever. I've got all this, uh, what is it like, wild radish? Oh. So it's, it's a white radish. It's mm-hmm. hu- huge uh, foliage, kind of looks dandelion like uh, the foliage, but it's it's a, definitely a radish. There's no mistaking it. It's got a thistly sort of texture, and uh, but it's got like a telltale sort of radishy sort of thing okay. coming at the bottom. And the smell, when you just snap it. it, smells like a radish. Um, but, you, you know, and it, it makes a sizable green yeah like a turnip you know um but you can eat it i got them growing <laughs> in with so all my garlic i just mulched it with yard waste so i've got all these garlic that are you know the scapes are starting to come out now and i've got all this this radish greens in some of those beds but they're edible if you if you cook them and if you try to eat them yep. raw they taste like thistles and it's not very pleasant and when you cook them it just becomes kind of like turnip greens okay um anyway um, okay, so um, how can gardeners improve water uptake by plant roots? So the other side of
1: it. How do we get the water
0: in? How do we get the water out?
1: Yep, yep. And and this is where you need that mix of water and air in the soil. You know, uh, the, the two extremes. If it's if it's too dry, you know, there's no water there for the plant to get at, so it's it's not going to uh, do very well. Uh, the other extreme is if it's too wet. The water, the soil is holding out of too much water, right. and you've got uh, not enough air in the soil. Uh, those roots will just—they'll essentially die in saturated soils or go dormant. And uh, right. you know, you'll sometimes see somebody. It's more often in house plants, but you'll see it in the garden as well. Where somebody says, you know, why, "Why are my plants wilting?" I'm watering them. Well, they're, they're wilting because you've drowned the roots, right. and the roots just cannot take up water because there's not enough air.
0: Right.
1: So that's that's why it's important to have that, that balance of, of water and air. Uh, the other side uh, is having a large enough root system to be able to do that. So that's okay. where it comes back. You know, everything's related, it comes back to soil structure. If you've got good soil structure, you've got a good mix of water and air. Uh, you've got s- Horse spaces the roots can easily get into, so you have a large root system, so it can actually explore a large volume of soil.
0: Right,
1: and uh, and that's where having, if you like, a deep soil profile, something where the roots can get down into the soil, right. uh, is very helpful. Um, that's where you know, in an agricultural setting, uh, people get blown away because you know, if you tell them, we put tile drains into the field. And we increase the amount of water that plants can use because you've actually increased the depth where you've got air in the soil and you've increased the depth of soil that the, the roots can pull water from. Right. And so, you know, you've got more, more soil where that gravitational water has drained away and uh, has enough air in there that the roots can, can utilize the available water that's in the soil.
0: Really? So, yeah, that's counterintuitive because you think, like, why <laughs> why are you increasing the ability of the so- water to get out of the soil? But I guess they wanna, um, want to facilitate the roots getting down.
1: You want a deep root system. I see. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's, you know, if you've got, that's where if you get the summer thunderstorm that dumps, you know, 150 millimeters of rain in, in four hours, <laughs> uh, you know, you want to be able to have that get away and, and have that deep profile that the, the plants can utilize the water that's in there. Right.
0: I guess that that's a good segue to the next uh, question, which is, and I get this a lot, both, uh, you know, people will say, how often should I water? But they'll also say, like, I've got this problem with my plant. Um, what am I doing wrong? And I'll be like, well, you're either watering it too much or not enough. Too much or too little, so, yeah. so the, yeah, the question is how much water is enough? and how much is too much?
1: Yeah. um, Easy question to ask, no problem. Yeah, (laughs) easy question to ask, hard question to answer. Uh, (laughs) The, yeah, you need to be watching the plants, you need to be looking at the soil, you know, and saying, okay, you know, when I dig in the soil, does it feel moist or not? A, any kind of a reasonable garden soil should be able to hold, Water and you know weeks worth of water. You know, uh, you sh- should be able to to restrict your watering to you know once or at most twice a week. You know, if we aren't getting regular rain, uh, if you're watering more frequently than that, what's going to happen is you get shallow roots that are in the soil zone that that dries out very quickly, and nothing going deeper because if they've, they've never had to. Right, Um, And the tendency, you know, if you're watering frequently is to, uh, you know, put on a small amount each day and, and then it doesn't get down into the soil and you actually get moist on top, dry underneath. And it's not until you get enough. uh, That does two things. One, you've got a shallow root system. The other thing is, you've broken the continuity of the pore, the water in the pores. Okay. If you've got a soil that's evenly moist from the, the surface down, you know, in, down to the water table, uh, it will actually pull water up into the soil.
0: Oh, through capillary action.
1: Through capillary action. I'm seeing you're right. If you've got a dry layer, that water will just stay down there. It won't come up to the surface, to where the roots are.
0: Let me see. Right, right, right.
1: Yeah. Um, so you want to be careful you don't break that continuity. Uh, when that comes to something, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, I'm going to put in trickle irrigation, and that's a little bit each day. And trickle, trickle irrigation is very efficient, but you have to be watering enough that, and watering soon enough that the soil never dries out. If the right. soil dries out, trickle irrigation, you can never put enough water on to catch up. Okay. So you have to start sooner. Right. Yeah. You know, um, Cause, it, yeah
0: Cause you're not getting a big, it's just a, a steady supply, but if it's... it's,
1: yeah, it's a steady supply. So if you've got that continuity, you know, of the, of the water with the, with what's deeper in the soil, Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll keep the soil moist. But if you, uh, if, if you let the soil dry out, well, you're going to have a puddle of, of wet surrounded by dry, which means you restrict your root system to that puddle of wet, and right. the plants will never do as well. And, and you will actually, in, in some years, you will actually use more water with trickle, trickle irrigation than you would with you know a conventional sprinkler.
0: Really? Right. Because, I, the,
1: because the sprinkler, you would tend to, yeah, water less frequently, I hit water, it. water, 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 you know, you're trying to put water that's going to soak in six, eight inches or a foot.
0: Right. 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 I think sometimes people get the city, even, even me, I get into this dilemma when you've got really, really young seedlings, You're mm-hmm. really tired. So, you know, the roots aren't that deep. You don't know quite how deep they are, like a carrot, let's say. Right. Okay. So you got a carrot that's an inch high and it get a super hot sunny day. And so you don't water it because you, you watered it the day before. And then you get another super hot sunny day, and you're like, Why? You know, because you know the roots aren't down that deep. And you're like, just you know, should I water it? Should I leave? It? I like you know, mm-hmm. if you know that the okay, so you you got the soil, and you know, let's say use use this as an analogy, the soil is like a cup full of water and the water's going down, right? Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. the, the root's going down into the cup, but is it keeping up with the, you know, do you know the water level, you know, kind of say the moistness level yeah, yeah, yeah. is going down. And can the roots keep up? You, to some extent, you know that most plants, the seeds, they're, they're evolved to handle that because that's just a natural, ad- you got a rainy season, and then things just dry out, and the roots get deeper and deeper, and, and mm-hmm, they can keep mm-hmm. up with it. But you, you know, when you've got a semi-artificial sort of gardening, t- you know that the weeds can do it. You <laughs> sure as hell do it. But you know, some of your cultivars and your, you know, you don't know if they can do it. I always can, get yeah. certain things. Like I don't know, worry about potatoes and things like that. But but carrots, for some reason, I'm well, always worried. Like, are they keeping up? Do I need to water that? Oh, God, they're
1: I they're that. slow off the start. So. It's always a concern. Yeah. yeah. And you don't you don't want to see them germinate and then get stranded in dry soil. Yeah. Now, which yeah. which can happen. Yeah. Uh, the neat thing is, you know, that, that's where a trowel is useful and just, you know, dig a hole. Uh, the neat thing about the way water behaves is it will flow faster through the big pores than then than through the small pores. Uh, and it will flow faster in wet soil than in dry soil. Uh, so whether we're looking at, you know, infiltration from the top down or a capillary action from the bottom up, you can see a definite wetting front. Right. You'll know, you, you see a, a a line that's moist on one side and dry on the other.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's it very distinct. Like a strata. Like a strata, uh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, you know, so you can look at it and say, oh, okay, you know, my, my seedling, or if you have my seeds are here, I expect the roots to be, you know, a half inch into the soil, and my moist soil in the, is down two inches, maybe I better water.
0: Right, okay, yeah. well, that's a good. If, yeah, you know. take a little cross section sort of thing. Yes.
1: Right? Yeah, uh,
0: so assuming you know how deep your your
1: roots are. It's, it's always a judgment call.
0: Yeah, yes, <laughs> that's exactly, but yeah, if you, yeah, you know, if you're, okay, I'm, the seeds are an inch high, and this the that that mm. what you call it the moist level um that's six nope, the inches, wedding front the wedding front is six inches down <laughs> uh,
1: yeah yeah it's, it's not gonna get there
0: <laughs> exactly um all right so yeah how much water is enough and how much i mean what you're saying is you, you really have to be in touch with what you're growing and your soil and yeah you, you gotta yeah. almost you gotta be plant like you gotta be plugged into it and and mm-hmm. just be aware of what's going on and and the needs of whatever you're growing and, and everything you're growing has different needs and like something like a potato when i plant that i i stick them about six inches down then i put a mulch on top i never water who cares
1: you've, yeah you've got yeah, lot, and, <laughs> yeah and lots of root there that's going to get down yeah and lots of uh if you like lots of spare energy there in the seed piece yes get a root down yes yeah, the, a carrot seed
0: yeah i mean the Potato has water in it. It's you know, it's got <clears throat> its own water source. It's it's a real survivor. But then something like a uh, a pumpkin, right? Where you know if you can get the roots in there, and it's you know once the roots are fully developed, they're amazing. But there's a mm-hmm. there's a period of time when a pumpkin's young where it it it's really difficult to know. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you have it in certain places, I have found that that whole family that you know pumpkin squash that sort of thing. Um, it's no good planting them in the raised beds i I have the hardest time getting them to grow well when i plant them at grade in good soil it's it's effortlessly you just stick a seed in the ground do nothing Mm -hmm. but when it's up a few inches from grade and i mean i live in a fairly wet place but when it's up like six 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 inches or a foot above grade it is the most challenging thing that the roots just cannot seem to get down to the water where it is maybe it's the kind of soil i've got but it's Jesus, I mean, if you watch any of my videos, it's good looking soil. It's that black stuff that we, you grab it and you squeeze it. It stays in a little snowball, you know, mm-hmm. but, but not too much, you know, you just tap it and it falls apart. It's, it's like okay. great black, nice stuff from composting and all It's mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, anyway, getting off topic here. Um, okay. So how can gardeners improve the moisture supply in their soil?
1: Yep. So, so this is a matter of it comes back to permeability, getting the the water to infiltrate. So, whether it's whether it's rainfall, whether it's uh, uh, a sprinkler or, or trickle irrigation, you know that the that water can soak into the soil. So, we're we're maximizing what's going in and minimizing what's running off. That's right. that's the first step. Uh, second part, uh, you know, having a big root system so it can utilize the water that's in the soil. Uh, the third part is where we're playing around with the, if you like, the the size of the pores in the soil. So we increase the amount of available moisture, that difference between field capacity and uh, permanent wilting point so that the plants can actually utilize more of that moisture. Um, do that. And that's, it comes down to, or, a lot of times it comes down to organic matter. Right. Uh in a very sandy soil, the organic matter is actually acting directly like a sponge yes, yeah, so uh, you know we 've got this the sandy soil it it just doesn 't have pore spaces uh, that will hold on moisture very well. We put organic matter in there you 're directly adding something that 's got a, a bigger range of pore spaces that will hold that that moisture and act like a sponge. And, and uh, you know be able to release that back to the plants, right? Uh, and there's some work has talked about you know having one percent organic matter would give a sandy soil an extra week to ten days between needing needing rain. Wow. needing you know it's it, it's significant. Yes, uh, you don't expect the same ef- effect on a loam soil or on a clay soil there's lots of small pores. There's lots of, you know, places for water to go, you know, to be held. Uh, as you get into the, the finer textured soils, we're looking more at, okay, how do we, how do we increase the air filled porosity in the soil? So how do we get more large pores? Right. Um, and how do we get more stable soil structure? So we've got something that, uh, Yes, you still have the very fine porosity, but you've got more medium-sized pores that can actually hold moisture that the plant can utilize. Uh, And that's, you know, you probably get, I'm speculating here, but you probably get more direct benefit from adding compost to a sandy soil and more benefit from a, a grass cover crop and clay soil. Really? Because in the clay soil that cover crop will have more impact on the soil structure
0: oh because it'll create that yeah yes i see right and uh, i guess also by doing that it's um making that environment more favorable to the worms and that sort of thing where they're they're creating their tunnels and all that sort of stuff so they're allowing almost Mm -hmm. like um i was going to ask you what about the technique? I mean, the worms kind of do this. So I don't I do not do this because I've got that. But the technique of forking where you jam a fork and you just sort of wiggle it around and jam it. You know, you're putting, you know, like a, a, a hay fork sort of thing. So you're putting right. holes, put deep holes in the ground so that the water can get in. Does that, is that a last, is, like, is that what you do if everything else has failed sort of thing?
1: Or? I, I would say that's a last ditch attempt. To, yes. to, you know, if, if your soil is that bad that you need to do that,
0: it's pooling and just running off. You yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing is, if you're sticking a fork in and water's pooling and running off, you're 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 actually deforming the soil. So yes, the water will soak in and and fill up the the holes you've made, but you've actually compacted everywhere around where the tine went in. Oh, <laughs> so it can't easily get out into the soil.
0: Right, you've made a straw yeah <laughs> that's true uh all right so uh, last question um when watering their gardens what should gardeners bear in mind um to make the most of their water supply um so i mean some people have infinite water i'm i'm kind of fortunate i got a deep well and I, you know if i run out of water we're in bad shape um, <laughs> but some people have their live in rural areas they have a shallow well uh, and that even happens here in nova scotia believe it or not even in my mm-hmm. area some of the older houses have those old-fashioned wells mine's like yep, yep. mine's like 100 meters deep or some crazy thing like that but um which brings its own problems because it's got like arsenic and uranium in it and stuff uh the shallower wells don't have arsenic and uranium but they got got e. coli and they go dry yeah um and then there's places in the world where it's just arid and dry and you know mm-hmm, the people have mm-hmm. to pay for water and they have a water bill and so i mean they have an interest in, in not using more water to you know, affect good growth in their plants than is necessary. So uh, how do they make the most of their water supply?
1: Okay, uh, yeah, so first thing is make the, the absolute best use we can of the rainfall we get. Uh, yes. You know, so, you know, that's the first thing. You know, seems obvious, but you know, if, use what's free. Yeah. Uh, mulching will help, mulching helps with infiltration. Mulching also helps with reducing evaporation from the surface. Yeah. So it will, you know, hold that, you know, you're, you're actually most of the water, instead of being lost from the surface of the soil is just what's transpired out of the plants and we need transpiration out of the plants anyway. Uh, The thing you have to watch with mulch, it will retain moisture in the soil. It will also soak up some of the precipitation. So If you're going to put mulch on, you put mulch on top of a moist soil, you don't put mulch on top of a dry soil.
0: I've noticed, I mean, all my stuff's mulch, and I've noticed that, that, you know, you want to mulch it. Like if, let's say you clear clear a garden off in the spring, certain kind of crops, I find it's actually better to take the mulch off um, until the plants are established because with the mulch on, there's so much slugs and snails, they get rid of beans or something like that, so well, Take it off, and once once the beans are about I don't know eight inches high or something like that, for some reason they can handle the slugs. So then I put the stuff back on. Well, um, at that
1: point they're growing fast enough that the slugs eat the bottom bottom leaves and they don't get up into the top.
0: And the stems are tough enough that they can't yep. take
1: them out. Yeah. Um,
0: but I don't put that mulch on until there's been like a, a, a couple rainy days. And if it doesn't look like if it's time to put the mulch on and it doesn't look like it's going to rain, I get out there with the hose and just just give it to them and make sure it's really, you know, I've gotten it down and I'm going yep. put yep. the mulch on. Cause yeah, if you get a light rain every night, um, it never gets, ne- to the soil. never gets in. No, <laughs> uh, but if you get it good and wet before you put on it, never dries up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that is a, I should do a video on that because mm-hmm. people think there's this magic thing with mulch. I mean, it's kind of like magic. It feels that way, but, um, yeah, the magic can go wrong. <laughs> it can be black magic. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yep. yeah, we talked about mulching, we talked about taking advantage of the rain.
1: Uh Yeah, if water's limited, you just water where the plants are. Right. You, know, you don't you don't get a sprinkler and do the entire garden. You just do right directly to the rooting zone. Uh we talked about trickle irrigation, you know, where you you may use more water in total over the season, but it's a little bit each day. So, if you've got a shallow well, the, the shallow well can maybe keep up better well it can
0: keep up with it yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense too mm-hmm. yeah and not and not firing the water up into the air and having it all just you know yep. air you know, aerosol sort of thing mm-hmm. just creating rainbows <laughs> <laughs> double rainbows <laughs> in the garden sort of thing right, i like rainbows right. as much as the next guy but uh. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and, and avoid avoid watering midday on a hot sunny day Right. Especially with sprinkler irrigation, you're going to, you know, it is an effective way of cooling the garden. You know, if that's your, your goal, then you would irrigate then. But, but for actually providing water to the plants, no, you want to, you know, probably early morning is the best time because the plants have a chance to dry during the days. You don't get fungal diseases. Yes. Uh, But you're not going to lose it immediately to evaporation.
0: That's the thing. I mean, the nighttime makes so much sense because, you know, you, you put it on just before dark. You know, it's there's going to be it's, no it's going
1: to soak in. It's not yeah very limited evaporation of the
0: logic. There's a logic to it soaking in, but you're asking for all kinds of other problems. It yep. brings out every damn pest in the world, and it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, well, it creates yeah. The slugs are like, wow, man, there's a party. Mm-hmm. So yeah, first as early in the morning as you could wake up, sort of thing. It's probably the most ideal. Um, time, so it can soak in really good and have its effect, and then, then yep. the sun can come up. The, the foliage can dry out, and mm-hmm. the plant can sort of get back its disease and pest resistant uh, properties that uh, watering seems well, to yeah. interrupt.
1: You, you you haven't you have to haven't left it soaking wet, which is the environment that the the fungal fungal diseases really like.
0: They always say, don't put it to bed with wet feet,
1: or something, yeah. like, that. something <laughs> that's, like that. Yeah, it's yeah, one of those rules of thumb
0: all right well that's that's all the questions I had from those two chapters that I thought I could i mean of course I've got more but that I could fit in <laughs> fit into an hour and uh and uh make an hour out of so uh i hope uh I hope people found that uh useful i mean if you want to have a successful garden um soil from having soil aside from having good soil and it's it's the end of June there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. but what you got what you got's what you got right now. we're gonna do a thing on soil in the fall and that's when you can do something about your soil. But from this point of the season on, it's about um, having just the right amount of water, not too much, not too little. And hopefully this episode has uh, helped you understand. Um, <laughs> it should be simple, but it's, it's a lot of things you have to think about to make sure that works.
1: Well, we, we, we always think of water just going down.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and you know, the neat thing about water is it, in the soil, it will, it will go horizontally, it will go vertically through capillary action you know in those fine pores it's, it's yes. only the it's only the very largest pores that the drain out with gravity it so it can
0: even go up into the sky
1: it can um, even go up in the sky
0: exactly so it's uh, not as straightforward as one might think oh okay, keith it's been great having you back again and i look forward to having you again uh everybody I enjoyed wa- it <laughs> everybody watching this uh, if you enjoy this podcast you enjoy everything i'm um, doing here with the podcast and youtube channel we want to help support the channel Uh, sponsored this year is Vessi Seeds. Use a coupon code GAVS20. Go to their website. If there's something they sell that you need, uh, buy it from them. Get yourself something you want, and that'll actually help support this channel because it'll convince them that, you know, throwing me a few clams uh, to get this all going is uh, worth their while. (laughs) So uh, I hope you enjoyed this this, uh, podcast. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, Keith, it's great having you on. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks a lot, Keith.
1: You're welcome. Here's to 100 more podcasts.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs)